welcome in to the Back Row Packer Show. I am Aaron Yakel, sitting with Ben Allman, your wonderful co-host. How you doing, Ben? Doing pretty good. How you doing, Aaron? Couldn't be doing better. I am very excited to get into the off-season signings that the Packers have done as we lead up to the draft here coming up in just over two weeks. This happens to be episode number two of the show, the Mason Crosby episode. You know, Ben, Crosby is heading into his 14th season as a Packer. You get into those long years and you start thinking Adam Vinatieri. Can you, off the the, the top of your mind, do you know how long he's been at each of the, the two teams he's associated with? You know, I don't, I don't really know off the top of my head how long it exactly is. Watching football, it seems like he's been there for the last 30 years playing football. I would have to say probably at least 10 apiece. You're not far off on the 30 years. He has already (laughs) completed 14 seasons with his current team, Indianapolis, and he had 10 in New England. That just blows my mind when I think about he's played for 24 years. That is pretty crazy. How long did uh, Morton Anderson play for the Vikings? He seemed to play until he was like 50. That that's true. So you know, as we look at as we look at Mason Crosby, we could be sitting with him for at least another five good years. Yeah, and he's been playing a lot better since the hiccups a couple did, years back. Yeah, so yeah, he did have that that season of uh, what's going on here, and he did seem to bounce bounce out of it. All the the shortcomings, I should you know, for lack of a better word, that people were placing on McCarthy. One thing he did have was loyalty to his guys, and he was. Uh, he was very staunch in sticking it out with Crosby as much as he could. He did bring in competition every once in a while, but Crosby always seems to pull it together when he needed to and, and beat out that competition. Yeah, I do feel any other coach. I don't know that uh, Mason Crosby would have flew back with the team from that Detroit game. It was it was pretty ugly, yeah. So, we're as I said, we're going to go into the off-season moves that we've made so far. Sticking quickly with the... Special teams, any thoughts on bringing back Tyler Irvin? He did resurrect last year a return game that was woeful, to say best, through 13 games, only posting like negative eight yards net. And then he came in and provided that spark that Packer fans were just hoping for. And through the final games, we did see that spark, so much so that the the coaches were starting to dial up some some plays on offense and and when given the chance, he was he was providing that spark and marching down the field as well. Any thoughts on that, Ben? I do like bringing Tyler back. He was really good in special teams. I think we'll get to see more of his abilities on offense now that he's going to be able to have a full offseason learning the playbook. I do like that, signing and bringing him back. And the other quick-fire rapid one I wanted to go over with you, Ben, to get your thoughts. Bringing back Mercedes Lewis for at least one more year, $2.25 million. Any thoughts on Mercedes? Mercedes Lewis is a great, great blocker. He always has been. He's only going to help that running game. He seems to when Aaron Rodgers needs a quick outlet. He's always in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, I do enjoy watching him as well. I think you're hitting all of that spot on. Speaking of blocking, what can you tell me? You know, a lot of listeners might not know, you did spend quite a bit of years of your life in Michigan. I don't know if any of that proximity to Detroit bled over to you, but what can you tell me about Ricky Wagner coming from Detroit? I do like Ricky Wagner coming over from Detroit. I think it's a really good value 
for what we're going to get back on investment. We're bringing him in to start right away, freeze up what we have to do, and then we can look into the draft for a lower lower round to develop an offensive tackle for the future. As for the growing up in Detroit, I can tell you, Lions fans are probably the most loyal fans you'll find anywhere <laughs> to continue to cheer for that team with how bad they were, how long they've been bad. Growing up, the years I did, my first memory, the, the first player I can remember pretending to be on the playground was Magic Man Mikowski. So I didn't have to go through the low years of the 70s and 80s. I can't fathom what Detroit Lions fans are going through right now. To your point, Ricky Wagner's signing does feel like that kind of that gap stop to bring in some talent and let them learn behind him. His signing was for two years for $11 million. It It gives a good opportunity for the younger player to work out some of the rawness and follow a professional and learn from him for those two years as he gets ready to, to take over the starting spot. The uh, splash signing right away into free agency was Christian Kirksey from Cleveland on two years, $13 million. What do you think about this big one, Ben? I think the more I was looking at this, I like the signing. He's two years removed from being a very good player. Yeah, that that's true. His last two full seasons, you know, you have to go back. Last year he was hurt, the year before he was hurt. But the last two full seasons, both starting all 16 games, he had a combined total of 286 tackles, six sacks, 13 additional hits on the QB, and 17 tackles for loss. Numbers that are very similar to the player he's replacing, Blake Martinez, so to speak, and the tackling machine for the Packers over the past several years. What separates the two of them, in my mind, are the, are the style of play as you watch. Martinez, who is very often relying on more of the, the reactionary vision to ensure nothing would get by him. Kirksey, as you watch him, it, it seems like he's playing forward and attempts to break the play before it even develops. Yeah, I do agree with all that. I was kind of looking at it as the two years that he's been injured. Uh, freak injuries happen. Rodgers broke Very his true. collarbone twice. Most quarterbacks don't have injuries like that. Kirksey has slightly derailed his promising career, but there's a very good chance he rebounds and we get talent like the top middle linebackers from free agency this offseason. You know, if we could pull off the, the same type of free agency that we did last year, the, the sit back, let the, the expensive guys go and then get those quality fillers that we did last year. You know, it, one thing that always benefits the defensive side of the ball is, is that sustained familiarity with the scheme. You, when you can carry over your defensive coaches year to year, one thing that's working for Kirksey on that side is that he was in Cleveland with the Packers defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, when Mike Pettin was there. That's going to give him that head start in not having to totally relearn another scheme, and he's going to hopefully fit right in. Yeah, I'm hoping for that too. And With our defensive scheme, we do still need a second linebacker. I think we're either going to go draft or that might be that gem we can find this year as an un- undrafted rookie. So let's talk a little bit about what happened on the offensive side so far. You know, one thing that is glaringly obvious to Packer fans after coming out of this past season, 
was Rodgers, if we want to get him to the promised land again, we need to get him some weapons, protection, and something to do the, you know, something to throw the ball to. So far in the offseason, we have seen perhaps not the splashiest of plays again, but the team brought in Devin Fentress from most recently Indianapolis. Although he not he didn't even make it out of the first game, I believe, as a Colt. What are your thoughts here uh, on Devin Funches? So I know right away after the signing, a lot of people were puzzled by the signing. Um, thinking he's not the speed guy we were missing in the offense. Uh, the wide receivers are slow. Didn't seem to have the hands. Funches gets knocked a lot for his speed. I think most people are remembering that he ran that 4-7 for his 40. It was very evident that that is not what he was expecting to run on his 40, and most people were shocked by that. If you look at his pro day, after that he did rebound. He ran a 4-4-8 40, which is pretty good for somebody that's 6'4", 220 pounds. If you look back on number two receivers that have production in with Aaron Rodgers, James Jones, he got knocked for his speed coming out of the draft. Uh, that's why he fell a little bit in the draft. James Jones ran a 4.5940. His best year with Rodgers, he had 64 catches and 14 touchdowns, only being six foot one. I think we can get some production out of Funchess, and I think he's going to be the day one number two wide receiver. I mean, at one year, two and a half million, I don't think you can go wrong there. I know a lot of people were hyped about possibly going after Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. The two of them, on paper, are the same player. Both are six four. Pittman's 225, Funchess is 220. Funchess's pro day was 448-40. Pittman's 40 was a 452. So I'm not really I'm not really seeing the downside to the signing of Funchess. You know, I couldn't agree with you more, Ben. The, one of the things I was seeing uh when I was watching the the tapes of, of Devin Funchess and and quite honestly, a little bit of the uh, the older seasons of the Packers as we're sitting here without sports. I've been noticing a lot of that similarity as well between what we used James Jones for with his, you know, not necessarily the top end speed, but his sure hands, he, he would, the back shoulder throw, or sorry, the back shoulder catches and the those types of patterns. And I really think with... Funches's size, he can really be that added replacement for the loss of Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, the the ability of Jay Sternberger to perhaps stretch the field gives Funches the the middle and the the short catches, the possession receiver. He can use his body and you know keep the chains moving. I really think, like you said, with the the one year two and a half million. It, I wouldn't be surprised if this works into something for Funchess and we end up, you know, sticking them around for a couple more years. All three of these signings, however you want to look at it, are once again smart signings that allow for multiple scenarios for Gunkus to target during the draft. Kind of letting the draft fall to him instead of overreaching for a, a particular need at any one spot. Like in you know, the past couple of years when... The cupboard was bare at wide receiver, and we had to restock. The Packers, hopefully, can afford to be patient and, again, not reach for that that need. This opens the possibility to perhaps address the interior of the defensive line early in the first with a player like Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, 
who, when I watched his tape, had high motor with a first step quickness and urgency throughout every rep. He's very impressive on his second efforts and hustle when the play breaks down. I saw active hands swiping, getting to the edges of his man, and he stuns his blockers with explosive pops of his hands, which enable him to take control of the reps. He has many tricks in his bag to power through with a variety of moves, including an effective swim, club, rip, power, and spin. If we push the wide receiver prospect even further down, be able to to take that defensive lineman perhaps in the first, and the second pick we can target maybe a linebacker or cornerback, the prospect of getting a player like K.J. Hill at wide receiver out of Ohio State really excites me. Hill is a silky smooth and slippery player. He's quick to turn his head to the quarterback, present a viable target with the intelligence and awareness to sit against his own coverage and work as a checkdown option. We spoke of Funchess earlier being that big body that can move the chains. K.J. Hill uses that awareness of where the coverages are. He's a very smart player. He's a slick runner and good body control foot speed to make the first defender miss in space, but isn't overly flashy or, or risk prone, which leads to mostly positive yardage. As you're looking at coming up to the draft here, who are the names that you're wishing as we get closer that might be wearing green and gold? So I know the first episode that I kind of talked on offensive tackle or linebacker. The more I'm looking at this and looking at free agents we have coming up next year, with John is Jonathan Taylor sitting there, if we sit still at 30, I don't know that you can go wrong. I don't think there's any way we can sign Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, and Aaron Jones. Keep all three of them. The third man out on that is going to be Aaron Jones. You can't. You can't let the other two go. Um, you know, Ben, not to derail you here, but if you go to my um, my Twitter, short plug for myself, at Yakenbeg, you look at my Twitter banner right now, you would be looking at Aaron Jones and Jonathan Taylor. So as sad as I would see in your scenario, Aaron Jones not necessarily coming back, but the the prospect of having Jonathan Taylor, you know, being in Wisconsin, having him on the, the the hometown Packers, would be a trip. I like that scenario. Continue, Ben. And, and he is that he is that guy that you can put him on the field at the same time as Aaron Jones. You're not going to waste his rookie season sitting on a bench. You can spread him out to wide receiver. You can spread Aaron Jones out to wide receiver. You can play both of them basically anywhere on the field. I know the Packers had requested to meet with Jordan Love. I don't think that's a good pick at 30. I think we need help for the team right now. Jordan Love doesn't help the team right now. He could be very good potential sitting for the next four years, waiting for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that that's a good pick. I know the talking heads have also been talking about possibilities of trading up or trading down. I don't think we should trade down. I think there are too many needs and there's going to be a lot of good players available at 30. But when I think that, they always like to trade down. And then trading up, I think if we do trade up, I think you got to get high enough. The only player I see that we should trade up for is Henry Ruggs. He's that fast wide receiver. They're comparing him to Tree Kill, but can run routes better. Do you have any thoughts on the trading up or down in the draft? That is one area that we saw for many years. The If we were going to trade, it was going to be trading down. 
and I can get the the compiling of extra picks and if you have more stabs at the dartboard you're going to hit the bullseye probability is even higher if you have more darts to throw however as a fan if they have a true talent that can fill the need I am all for trading up and going to get your guy if it fills that glaring hole the most recent memory of the games that we got to watch were running backs just gashing the team and just ripping the holes even wider if we can find a a true interior defensive lineman to to stop the run or to give that useful flashy weapon for Rodgers as he spoke that Ruggs would be the better Tyreek Hill route runner as a fan I gotta say, I'm all in for that and ready to watch. Yeah, that's I'd be all about that too. And that's you brought up that interior defensive lineman to plug up the run. I'm really thinking that's a good spot in the second round. A lot of people are saying Raquan Davis will be sitting there out of Alabama. He's always been a great against the run. His pass rush is a little lacking, but that is something that Patton could work with. We need them big bodies right now to stop the run. Someone I was looking at kind of in the third round, a name that might pop up, Darnay Holmes. He's a cornerback out of UCLA. He's shorter. He's only 5'10". Does not grade out well as an outside corner, but he's been really good on tape at the nickel position. And that's really a lot. We were missing that last year. That slot was kind of tearing us up a little bit. It's funny you say the... uh... The things we were missing yesterday, uh, as I'm yearning for sports, I happened flipping through some social media outlet, and they were uh, they had a highlight of the Super Bowl, the 45 Packers against Steelers, and I'm sitting there watching the defensive prowess of Nick Collins and his interceptions, and we haven't really had that presence in the, the middle of the, the defensive back zone since Nick Collins. Man, I miss him. Yeah, Nick Collins was definitely something else, and it was a bad deal getting his career shortened on that injury. I do think Darnell Savage, he's going to keep growing. He's at fast safety, kind of like Nick Collins was. I think we keep working with him, and there might be good things to see there. So I got... I'm still, I talked about James Morgan in the first episode. I'm really thinking he's a QB out of Florida International. Went to Ashwaubenon out of high school. He's been moving up draft boards. I think the fourth round is late enough that you're not wasting a pick on getting that guy that can sit behind Rodgers. Coming out of the smaller school, he's more than likely going to need the time to sit and develop. I got Justin Heron, an offensive tackle out of Wake Forest. His blocking on tape is great. His footwork lacks a little bit. Would be that kind of development offensive tackle. Tyree Tyree Cleveland, wide receiver out of Florida. He's a deep threat, speedy home run hitter kind of guy. Dalton Green, tight end out of Virginia Tech. A great blocker. Watching tape, he played tight end, fullback. They just moved him all over the field, kind of like what Green Bay did with Jay Sternberger a little bit. I think we get somebody to fill that role so Jay Sternberger can be the number one tight end, not have to worry about anything else. A couple linebackers that might be available a little later that have potential. Francis Bernard out of Utah. He started his college career as a running back. He always finds himself filling the gaps very well. He's got a little work on pass coverage, but he was, he's was he been very good at filling the gaps, going after the ball carrier because he has that vision from both sides. Kamal Martin, he was linebacker out of Minnesota. He's really good at 
filling the gap, his recovery isn't the greatest when he's in the wrong position. And then my, if you can get somebody like Joe Reed in the seventh round, which a lot of people are saying that's where he's fallen to, I don't think you, you can pass that up. Wide receiver, kick returner, gadget player. He's that all-over-the-field kind of guy, too. I am really glad you brought up Joe Reed, but before I circle back to him, I, I want to get your thoughts on, you, you, you mentioned the possibility of picking up James Morgan, and I know that's the second time in as many shows that, that you've mentioned his name or that we've mentioned his name on here. Hometown kid out of Ashwaubenon High School. And it, not necessarily just if we picked him, but if this is the year that we get a quality backup quarterback to groom for the future. How do you think the dynamic between Rodgers and that perceived heir apparent will play out? Is it going to be as <clears throat> as seamless, question mark, as it was with Favre to Rodgers? Or is it going to be a, more of a, you know, you heard when Pittsburgh drafted a the obvious what should have been the heir apparent, Roger, uh, sorry, excuse me, the Big Ben Roethlisberger didn't necessarily appreciate the team finding that future. How do you think Rodgers would open up to the possibility of having that this is the future right behind you aspect? I think being you waited till the fourth round and you still got possibly him some weapons or some help to the team, I don't think he'll be too upset about it. He knows it's coming. He's 36. By the time this contract is up, he's going to be 40. I know he said he wants to finish his career in Green Bay. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. We'll see how that goes. Time tells how long a player can play. Tom Brady might play till he's 50. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but I think I don't think it's as seamless as Rodgers or Favre to Rodgers. Also, if you look at that, that wasn't as super seamless as the rest of the league <laughs> looks at it. You go, you went for Favre, you got Rodgers right away. Well, we had Favre. We lost the NFC Championship on an interception that he shouldn't have thrown because he threw to nobody. Favre liked to do that. A couple um, times. And then the very next year we go to Rodgers and we missed the playoffs. It wasn't like right. we just had a stellar quarterback to another stellar quarterback. He did have a season of little growing pain, but I don't, I don't know if it could be that seamless. That you're only down one season, you might drop two, but only time time tells on that. I think as long as we don't turn into the Browns quarterback room, I think we're doing okay. Or even the Bears, they're even a little bit closer. True, true. Sorry, Bears fans. So back to the last name you mentioned, Joe Reed. I was very excited when you when you uh, brought his name up. Yes, he is the wide receiver out of Virginia. And every once in a while, I do like to just, you know, introduce myself to one of the, the, the names I keep hearing. And, and it, when I pulled up Joe Reed, what I saw was an outstanding speed and field vision with the ball in his hands. He's a definite weapon as a kick returner, runner, and knows how to create after the catch. Though he has speed, he isn't just that deep threat. He possesses that skill that Rodgers perhaps values you know, very highly, that he's experienced lining up in multiple places, wide, slot, backfield, H-back. He executes routes with good tempo. He showcases good hands, body control, and ball tracking skills. Reed is decisive with the ball in his hands, and he has the next gear to break pursuit angles. 
He also has excellent vision and creativity, as I mentioned, when he does have that ball in his hands and should be a standout special teamer, both returning and covering kicks, perhaps working side-by-side with Tyler Irvin. Yeah, I do. I do really like Joe Reed, and I cannot figure out watching tape why he's going to fall to the seventh round. It just doesn't make sense to me, the potential for what that is. Screams fifth, at least. Something's hanging everybody up that... They think he's going to drop to the seventh. His routes might not be as crisp as some of the higher-end wide receivers, but the potential that is coming out of Virginia with Joe Reed is off the charts, it looks like. A lot of that, in my opinion, at least this year, is just how full of talent this year's draft is at wide receiver. There's just too many to pick from right now. You know, hindsight's going to be 2020 as we keep going, and we're going to see you know which ones failed to make their mark and which ones super exceeded it. I just think Joe Reed could be that that late round steal, similar to how one Donald Driver turned out for us in green and gold. Well, Ben, episode two, the Mason Crosby experience has been a blast with you, and I can't wait to see what we come up with for the Tony Cannadale run in episode three. You can catch both of us at the Back Row Show on Twitter. And myself at Yakenbake and Ben at The Real Almanac. Any last words, Ben? Not really. I guess thanks for spending the time with me, hanging out here. It was a great show. We'll see you later. 